gorgeous day. Another glorious cup of coffee. And another day with a glorious God. It's good to be me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Ah, glory. That's a good day. Well, what's this invalid resource? What is that? Well, we'll just get rid of this here. Hang on a second. We'll just remove that bad boy. All right. And I think I'll make this cup of coffee bigger. Well, for those of you who are just listening and not watching, I'm having to adjust my video screen here. There, that cup of coffee has its proper place. <sighs> All right. Well, I apologize for that opening montage. Uh, it said Romans. It's not. It's Second Corinthians. We're going to be uh, jumping right into the book of Second Corinthians because after Paul was done writing Romans from Ephesus, he wrote his next letter to the Corinthian church. We're going to discover as we go through this letter that Paul, uh, that the Corinthian church is uh, a unique, a unique situation in the sense that there is a very contentious spirit there aimed at Paul. Uh, I don't know why, but Corinth seems to be a magnet for Paul's worst enemies, if you will. And for whatever reason, Paul's reputation was brought into serious, serious doubt in Corinth. And people were trying to undermine his authority, accusing him of not being a true apostle. Um, and we're going to see as we go through this letter that uh, Paul and these people have some very serious issues. Um, some of his most uh, valuable allies are no longer there. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Aquila and Priscilla were two of his closest friends, and they had gone back to Rome. So I, I don't know. It's... Um, this is a tough let this is gonna be a bit of a tough letter. Keep in mind that Paul in in the overall picture is defending his apostolic authority in that church. He's not backing down. And uh he's gonna have some problems with these people. So let's look at the first chapter and let's see what we have here. Let me get to it. Alright. Chapter one. Paul, an apostle of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. All right, this is an important paragraph here. Um, the Roman Empire was starting to give the side eye to the Christian movement, all right? And there were uh, more and more clashes with the government, between the government and Christianity, Christian communities. Uh, the Christian communities were being attacked by Judaism, who viewed them as uh, an aberrant, aberrant form of Judaism, claiming a Jewish Messiah, and yet admitting Gentiles into fellowship without circumcision or or getting them to obey the law. It's it was the Christianity, the Christian church was under attack from its parent religion, if you will, Judaism, and also from the secular Roman government. So Paul, who was very outspoken as an apostle in his planting of churches, and as a full blooded Roman citizen he had a foot in both worlds. And both worlds sometimes became Paul's enemy. As a Jew, the Jews considered him a traitor to their cause because of his ministry to the Gentiles and his absolute, absolute determination to preach the gospel that we are saved by grace through faith. We are justified by faith, not by circumcision that the Gentiles could be grafted into Israel without having to obey Judaism's strict set of laws and requirements for admittance. So the Jews consider him a traitor. And Rome would consider him a seditionist eventually because the Christian community would not worship the emperor. There is only one God. And so Judaism and Christianity in that regard shared an enemy, Rome, because neither would worship the emperor as God. So there were, ish, there were attacks coming from all fronts. Now, I love what this paragraph says here uh, in, chapter, in verse 4, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. My wife uh, experienced this verse very literally years ago as a uh, um, pre-elementary school teacher, four-year-old, five-year-old teacher. And she lost both of her parents when she was young. Her father died in an automobile accident when she was Eight, I think I can't remember but when she was young and 
she was teaching and this one little girl had just lost her father. He had just died. And she'd been coming to class and she'd gone from being this very outgoing, wonderful, chit-chatty, normal little girl to someone who was very quiet and withdrawn. Now, you got to know this about my wife. She is every little child's grandmother. She, the children of that age are her sweet spot. And so she knew what had happened. And so during nap time, when the class lay down to take a nap, she invited the child up and she sat the child on her grandmotherly type lap, hugged her and said, my father died when I was very young too. That's all she had to say. This little girl looked up at her and went, really? And then just snuggled into her and relaxed. My wife was able to comfort this little girl with the comfort she had received from God in the same situation. When we suffer, when we go through times of suffering, it serves a dual purpose. One, it's an avenue for us to witness the glory of God. It's an avenue for us to witness the ability of God to provide and to surround us with his favor as a shield. It gives us a story to tell of the God we serve. But it also serves as a reservoir from which we can draw on to bring comfort to somebody else who's going through the same thing. Years ago, I lost my middle my mid-level management, lower to mid-level management position in a uh, communications company. It was devastating. I was making six-figure salary and I lost it all. And in the next six months, I managed to go totally bankrupt. I, it was the most humiliating experience of my life. I've shared the story before, I'm sure. And there were no shortcuts through this story. Um, nobody mysteriously dropped a thousand dollars in our mailbox. Huge chunks of money didn't just show up on our doorstep. Strangers didn't come up to us with an envelope full of money saying, God told me to give you this. None of that happened. None of that happened. Our very first year through bankruptcy, I think my wife and I cleared $11,000 with the low paying job she had and what little bit of money I could make here and there. Our break-even point was $21,000. And to this day, I cannot tell you where that $10,000 came from. All I can tell you is, is that when a bill was due, we paid it. And at the end of that time, we'd only made $11,000 or so, but we had maintained, we had met our minimum. I don't know where that $10,000 came from. I just know that when a bill was due, we paid it. Well, that time did something to me. I began to see that God's mercies included his paying for my sin, still allowing me to suffer the consequences of my sin, but God covered the bill. And there have been times since then when I've had friends 
or acquaintances who are going through the same thing and I could share with them, God will be with you in this. And I'd share my story and they would be comforted because my story is a real story. Nothing made, not a thing was made up. I don't have to make up any details to make it sound more spectacular than it was. I comforted them with the comfort I received from God. So Paul says, if I'm distressed, eventually it's going to be for your comfort and salvation because you're going to be distressed and I'm going to let, you're going to have someone that understands, that knows. There's nothing more comforting than to be in the presence of someone who truly knows what you're going through. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Whatever was going on, Paul thought he was going to die. Indeed, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. You know, there in his travels, I did some uh, research, and some of his travels, he traveled through an area that uh, was settled by men who used to be pirates. And they had left the sea and moved inland. They kept up their habits of being thieves and brigands. And it made it very for very dangerous travel on the roads in certain parts of Macedonia. And Paul traveled through that area on foot. Now, I don't know if he was captured by them. I don't know if he was... In a, in, in a battle with them, I don't understand, I don't know what happened, but I do know that th- that that was a very real possibility for Paul. In fact, we felt we received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks in our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Wow. <sighs> hey, John. Yeah. That was a time, wasn't it? I got rid of us old guys. It's my good friend, John Joseph. Stories tell about told about losing my job. Uh, he was he was there with me, and you know what's cool about that story? John and I can comfort each other because we both went through the same kind of things afterwards. I know that John understands what I went through, and he knows that I understand what he went through. We're able to give comfort to each other because of that time that we went through. Thanks for that memory, John. You're one of the good parts of it. Well, verse 12. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. We do not write to you anything that you cannot read or understand, and I hope that, as you've understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us, just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. They're not boasting about Paul at the moment. For lots of reasons, the Corinthians are upset with Paul. 
They've been infiltrated by people who are Paul's enemies, and so it looks like they've been convinced. And we're going to see that later on in the ensuing chapters. Paul is having to re-win their trust. And he is in a battle for his leadership in that church. It seemed like of all the churches Paul planted, the Corinthian church really bucked up against him. And uh, they were lied to and convinced that he was a false apostle. And again, we're going to see all that as this unfolds. So Paul says, this is my boast. My conscience is clear in how I dealt with you. With integrity and godly sincerity. He didn't take their money. He didn't demand that they give him support. He supported himself in order that he could say that he didn't take any money from them. He doesn't owe them anything. Um, We did not write to you anything you couldn't read or understand. And I hope, and this is him looking forward in time, future tense. I hope that as you've understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you. So he's hoping, looking forward to the day, really, that they will boast about their relationship with Paul. Right now they're not. Because I was confident of this. I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back again to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I tended to do this? Or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no? Uh, He had made plans. He wanted to visit them twice. Pass through on the way to Macedonia, go up and do his business in Macedonia and come back. But, surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it's always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set a seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now, this is a clever argument by Paul. He's he's not lashing out at them. He's including himself with them. We are members of the same club, he's saying. We are members of the same thing, this body of Christ. God sealed you, he sealed me. He anointed you, he anointed me. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So Paul is confident that they will come around because he sees the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, this brings up a point. Just because you have the Holy Spirit in your life doesn't mean you can't be deceived at times. The Corinthians were deceived. They felt that Paul, they were beginning to suspect that Paul wasn't a true apostle and that he had false motives and everything like that. But you know what? They, Paul said, I, saw, I see the Holy Spirit in you. He sealed you. He sealed me. If you look at 1 Corinthians, you can see that the Holy Spirit was very much at work in the Corinthian church. They had a lot to overcome. So Paul was looking past this time 
of disenchantment, if you will, from the Corinthians towards him, to the time when they would truly be united. He sealed you, he sealed me, he sealed us. I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it's a it's by faith you stand firm. All right. He had planned another trip. He wanted he was going to visit him on his way to Macedonia. Then he's going to come back from Macedonia. And there's some people believe that he was going to make a third trip, but he decided not to. And I get the feeling that Paul is holding his temper in check. Um, Paul was not above being angry. But you know, there's that verse that says, be angry and sin not. I think Paul was working through that here. It was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Now, that could be taken two ways. One, it was in order to spare you from my wrath. Because Paul was a spiritual father to that church. You, so you could say, I stake my life on it. God's my witness. It was in order to spare you from my anger and wrath that I did not return to Corinth. Or, you could look at it this way. I call God as my witness and I stake my life on it. That it was in order to spare you the grief and the sorrow that my trip would bring upon you. That my visit would bring upon you. We don't, he says, we don't lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy because it's by faith you stand firm. So Paul's reminding them of who they are in Christ, that they are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He's a witness to that. And he's also reminding them that he is, for lack of better terms, their apostle. And he is not going to come back just yet because he doesn't want to cause any irreparable damage. But Paul is not done with them. So this, this, is, a, uh, this is a major heartache for Paul right now. He planted this church. There was a revival. There was a magnificent display of God's Holy Spirit. And then things just started unraveling. And now to the point, they're to the point where some of them don't even want, say they don't even want Paul around. So that's where we're leaving it today. First Corinthians, or second Corinthians chapter one. Mm. Can't wait to see how Paul's going to deal with this. It's going to be amazing. You'll see. All right. This is Mr. G. Here's my coffee. Ladles and jelly spoons. I am out of here. I love this day. I love God. I really like my.